12 months ago, we were in the beginning of a global pandemic and we were being faced afresh with death and as a nation faced with our own mortality. Yet what hope we had when the COVID vaccine was being approved and now delivered. Death for many is being kept at bay. A vaccine which means we can get back to life in some kind of normal form um, is great, but it doesn't keep death at bay forever, does it? It doesn't solve death. And this morning and on Sunday morning, we're going to explore the, this, the life-ending moment we all face, we will all face of death, and ask, what if there is a cure? Wouldn't you want it? Wouldn't you move heaven and earth to get that cure? Well, here's the thing. God moved from heaven to earth to be the cure. And that's my message in a sentence. God moved from heaven to earth to be the cure for death. Let me explain what we're going to do next. The story of Mark and Mark's gospel, where we'll read from. I'll retell the story and to help you as much as possible, imagine the scene of the death of Jesus recorded by Mark. As we look through the story, I'm going to um, look at three key moments. One, a moment of rejection. Second, a moment of liberation, of freedom, which together explain why Jesus' death is the death cure, is, which brings freedom and a future for us. And finally, we're going to look at one moment of revelation in the story, which becomes an invitation for us all to receive the cure. So if you've got a Bible, um, I'm going to read from Mark chapter 15 from verse 25 and the words will come up on screen. It was nine in the morning when they crucified him. The written notice of the charge against him read the king of the Jews. They crucified two rebels with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed and passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads, saying, so you are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days? Come down from the cross and save yourself. In the same way, the chief priests and teachers of the law mocked him amongst themselves. <laughs> he saved others, they said. He can't save himself. Let this Messiah, the King of Israel, come down now from the cross that we may see and believe. Those crucified with him also heaped insults on him. At noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. At three in the afternoon, Jesus cried in a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lemma sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? I love stories. I love a good story. And this story starts at the beginning of time, before the creation of the world. The Father, the Son, known as the Word, and the Spirit were present in the heavens, existing in perfect community, full of love and life together in heaven. Such love, such togetherness. Yet, fast forward to this story we're looking at today on the death of Jesus. We see Jesus, the Son, one of the Trinity on earth, crying out, Father, why have you forsaken me? What's going on here? Well, let's take a little look at the, little, the, the other groups of people who were there. Roman soldiers full of brutality, laughing at Jesus' expense. Earlier on in the story, with, uh, they forced a crown of thorns onto the head of Jesus. 
Uh, they've beaten him, they've whipped him, they've, they've laughed at him and mocked him. And it's revolting, the cruelty on show. The Jewish onlookers aren't much better, using their own words as weapons to reject Jesus. And he's even scorned by those being crucified at the same time. Little mention is made of Jesus' friends. Abandoned by most, later on in the verses we do see uh, there are some around the cross. But very few of his followers are with him. They've abandoned him. They've rejected him. And creation rejects Jesus with unnatural darkness in the middle of the day. And Jesus is rejected even by Father God. And what Mark is portraying here is a terrible rejection of Jesus. And it's dark. Darkness covers the land. And you know, we find it difficult, don't we, when faced with death? We find it really difficult to live in darkness and in pain. I certainly do. Loss and grief hurt deeply. And it feels like we're, gonna, we're living in a pit and there's no way we can climb out of it ever. Yet God is a delivering God. The heart of God is to lead people out of darkness and into freedom. And here, God, through his son, steps out of heaven. He climbs down into our pit with us and he dwells with us to identify and empathise with us in our pain, our suffering and our trial. And today we see a glimmer of hope that we can be lifted out of the pit from our pain, our loss, our grief, our darkness. Back to the story in verse 37. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. Here, Mark pans from the cross where Jesus dies to the temple. What is happening here? You see, Mark is being really deliberate in placing this camera change. Not that he would have known what a camera was, but he, this, where we're looking, where we're focusing. Focus on Jesus is dying, taking his last breaths over to the temple. Let me have a ex go explaining what he's saying. You see, the temple was more than just a building. It was where the very presence of God was meant to have dwelt. It had such significance in the Jewish religion. There were a number of courts that you had to move through to reach the place where God was uh, dwelling. It was called, that was place was called the Holy of Holies. And before you got into the Holy of Holies, in the middle of the temple courts, the, the, right here was a curtain that was four feet wide, and 60 feet high, four feet wide and 60 feet high. This wasn't an elaborate draft excluder. This was very intentionally a person excluder. You see, the, uh, that, in that place, only one person, the high priest of Israel, was allowed to go once a year through the curtain on the Day of Atonement. And on that day, that person would make the yearly animal sacrifice for the sin of the people, to atone for their sin. A sacrifice he had to make every single year. Why? Well, you can't make much sense of the Bible without understanding that God is holy. 
He is a holy God who is intent on making a holy people to live with him forever in a holy heaven. And the Jewish nations of, of worship all revolved around holiness. Holy people, holy clothes, holy land, holy places, holy objects, holy days, holy law, that, that, so that it might be a holy nation. And their worship system continues to say that God is holy. And in comparison, we are not. Something needs to be done to make us holy, to be allowed to approach this God of holiness. And why can't we approach this holy God? Well, the Bible tells us that the wages of sin is death. Uh, and our sin means we deserve death, like those awaiting a sentence on death row. I really love Chris Heiliger's illustration a few weeks ago where he had a, a cup of hot water, pure and brilliant, and he added to it a tea bag, which showed us that the sin that stains our whole lives before we can approach God. That sin must be dealt with. The lyrics of the famous hymn, How Deep the Father's Love, put it like this. It was my sin that held him there until it was accomplished. His dying breath has brought me life. I know that it is finished. Um, maybe it's similar to the going swimming. That whenever I go swimming, I am told explicitly by, with signs around the changing rooms that I must shower before I get into the water. Why? Well, I am, I'm dirty. I come with dirt on me. And if I'm going to enter a, a, a pool that is trying to be kept clean, then I must wash off the dirt from me. We need to understand that uh, we need something, someone to clean us before we can come to God. And the message of the cross on Good Friday this morning is we have someone that achieves this, someone that provides for us. And here is this moment of freedom. The curtain was cut in two. Our family has recently come to welcome Moses, a new kitten, into our house. And his current favourite activity, would you believe it, is jumping on our Roman blinds in the kitchen and tearing them down, pulling off the Velcro they're attached and pulling them um, from where they're hung. The curtain is regularly torn in our house. A curtain being torn in the morning means light is, uh, kind of floods in from outside. It flood, the light of the sun floods the room. The curtain in the temple being torn means the light of God's love floods into our lives. And conversely, the curtain being torn means Jesus makes a way for us to approach God, approach God with confidence that we can come to him. We are welcomed. We can receive a once and for all forgiveness because of Jesus' death. Why is Jesus rejected? What does this torn curtain mean in the temple simply this god who is holy like the pure water of a swimming pool is now approachable and jesus the son gives us a way 
to him. It's a death that ends all death. What does that mean for us? Well, it's a moment of freedom in life and a moment of freedom from death. A moment of freedom in life that we benefit from now and a moment that means that we benefit in the future. That death won't be the, our death, our physical death won't be the end for us. Let me just briefly dwell on both those points. So this freedom means we have liberty from eternal death. Sin means we're separated from God. It was the penalty of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden at the fall. Yet Jesus, through his death, provides freedom from eternal death. Which means death isn't the end for us as people. That we we will... Uh, physically die unless Jesus returns before so before we do so but there is a promise that we will be raised we'll be raised when Jesus comes again and live forever in eternity with God as he remakes the heavens and the earth praise God and secondly we have freedom in life You see, Jesus' death provides a freedom that means anything you've done can be forgiven and the power of sin will hold you no more. And it's a moment of freedom which means anything that has been done to you is dealt with and the shame you feel can be covered. So often in life we're trapped by our own feelings. Feelings that that often relate to God, that... I'm, I'm not good enough, that I'm a reject, that I am a bad person, I'm unlovable, I'm rubbish, I'm discarded. And our human response is to try and cover these feelings by pretending they're not there or trying to deal with them by our own effort and it, it rarely is a permanent solution. Jesus' death is good news for the person trying to hide their feelings and for the one trying to cover them up. Jesus' death is good news both for the sinner and the sinned against. You see, if you've sinned, which we all have, that's the Bible's clear on that, we get Jesus' righteousness. We need not carry the guilt of shame of what's in our past. God says today, you can come to me. Come, you are free from any penalty if you repent and believe in Jesus and turn to me. And if you've been sinned against, which many of us have, we gain Jesus' righteousness, his perfect, pure righteousness, We receive absolute worth. As God says to you, you are welcome, my restored one. And it means that these labels, they don't just get covered up, but they get replaced. That I am accepted. I'm no longer a reject. That I'm no longer rubbish. But, and, and, considered worthless but I am made good by God I'm no longer unlovable but I am loved beyond imagination I am no longer bad and those sins count against me but to God I am forgiven and I am chosen 
I am no longer not good enough, but I am chosen by God. Jesus being rejected, the curtain being torn, means our sin, our brokenness can be dealt with if we take the invitation to follow him. And picking up the story again, panning from the temple back to the cross. At the foot of the cross, we meet a centurion. Says, verse 39 says, And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, Surely this man was the Son of God. Let me finish with this. This moment of revelation as Mark helps us see as we look at the centurion. This centurion who is a leader of a hundred men. Eighty of them would have been soldiers in the Roman army. He's a man of standing in Roman life. And the Romans, who they worship many gods, were responsible for crucifying Jesus. And here is our moment of revelation. What does he say? Well, the man presiding over the crucifixion of Jesus declares, Surely, like certainly, I'm absolutely sure of it, this was the Son of God. And for this man witnessing Jesus' death and making this statement is one thing. But following Jesus would have required dying to his old way of life, dying to his old way of worship. He needed to repent and believe. He needed, it wasn't that Jesus was to be added another God on his list, but Jesus, the Son of God, is the only way to the one true God. This centurion's invitation to follow Jesus means he needs to turn from his past life and believe in Jesus being the only way to the Father. He gains freedom in life and a freedom from death, which meant eternity with God. And here is our invitation this morning. What are you going to do with what he says? What are you going to do with what Jesus does? Freedom in life and freedom from death is available to you today. And this invitation to come to Jesus is an invitation to come and repent and believe. Come and turn your life to following Jesus. For me, I became a Christian, I became a follower of Jesus in 1998 at a meeting in a massive tent in Warrington where I grew up due to the preaching of a man, a South American man named Louis Palau. It was a truly life-changing moment for me. I, like the centurion, recognised this Jesus, he is the Son of God. I repented of my sin. I gave my life to follow him. And it's honestly the best decision I have ever made. And as we come to finish this talk now, My words to you are, what decision are you going to make? Are you going to come to the cross of Jesus and gladly repent and turn to him and follow him? Like I say, it's truly the best decision I have ever made to follow Jesus and uh, walk after him. And I invite you to do the same this morning. And I'm going to pray for us as we finish before we have um, a moment to, to sing in worship. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. As we think about um, what Jesus dealt with, he dealt with our sin. His heart stopped beating so our heart may beat again. 
we say thank you father thank you jesus we're grateful and in response we say sorry for all the sin and that we have done to you and to others we thank you that our sin is forgiven we turn to you and follow you thank you father for the sin that's been done to us is covered thank you jesus for your forgiveness thank you for your restoration and we gladly receive you into our hearts today by the power of your holy spirit thank you live with us and the pain and the darkness we feel thank you jesus that you come and come into come down into the pit with us when we feel in darkness you are present with us you empathize with us you come and bring your presence to us so come come lord jesus through the power of your spirit today in jesus name amen
maybe what Dan spoke about really resonated with you. I know it does for me. Often we can take on these labels and live like they are true. But as Dan shared, Jesus' death, Jesus' death changes everything. If we repent and believe, we have freedom from death and freedom in life. These labels of being a reject or not good enough or unlovable are removed and we are accepted, chosen and loved beyond imagination. This is such good news. So let's pray. Thank you, Father, that your heart is to lead people out of darkness and into freedom. Thank you, through Jesus, the curtain has been torn, which means your light, your love can make its way into our lives. In you, we find freedom from death and freedom in life. Please help us to live in that truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, as we come to an end today, I pray that these truths stick with you. And I'm just going to say some of these statements over you as we end. So, through Jesus, you are made good enough. Through Jesus, you are accepted. Through Jesus, you are forgiven. You are chosen. And you are loved beyond imagination. Amen. Well, that marks the end of our time here today. Thank you for joining in our service this morning. Just to let you know, there is no coffee and cake catch-up today, but on Sunday it is our Easter service, so please do join us then, and that starts from 10.45. But that's all for now. Uh, God bless, and we hope to see you soon. Take care.